Congratulations, you made it to the XFL. You can sit back and relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host, Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. <laughs> almost messed that up for the first time ever, but if you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us on that journey. So, there's a couple ways you can help us out. We're going to talk about that in hideout keeping really quick. Uh, the number one way to support the show is to share it with a friend, whether they're brand new to the game or they've been in the Tarkov community for a while, just letting them know that the show exists or that we have a massive Discord community full of people that are wanting to squat up and help out all the time. If you're looking to support us directly uh, or financially in some way, we do have a Patreon and we always link that in the show notes. Thank you so much for those of you that are already doing that. And then lastly, it's just our social channels and YouTube. We say this every single week. I'm sure you're sick of hearing it, but every single week we have people showing up, subscribing, finding the show. And now on those other mediums, we have new people finding it that don't listen to normal audio podcasts. It's extremely helpful for finding new players that aren't into podcasts and we're reaching them now through those channels. Thank you so much. Uh, as for me personally, you can find me on Discord, on Twitter, and on Twitch a couple days a week. I'm under the tag MTB Trigger on all of those. Feel free to reach out. Would love to see you in the stream. But that's all I got. So, Ronald, how are you, man? And let these fine folks know how they can get in touch with you. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm doing fantastic. The best way to get a hold of me is always in Discord. You can find me at the top of the list right next to MTB. Go ahead and send me a DM, and uh, we're checking Discord all day long. We love interacting with our community in Discord. It's 1,200, 1,300 and strong and growing, and there's active, and there's games going on all the time. So come on, jump in, hang out with us, and you can send us a message there if you need to. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Gaming. Look for things related to XP Media and the XFIL and other shows that we're uh, producing. Also, outside of that, you can email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com if you have something more formal or if there's things that you just can't get across uh, in Discord to us. Besides that, I hang out in stream when MTB is streaming. Usually I'm chatting with the people that are hanging out watching him do his thing. So come on and check it out and uh, you can always say hi to me that way as well. But before we get into our main topic for today, all of you people that have really, really enjoyed having chapters in the main show on YouTube, thank you for that suggestion in the comments. We have implemented chapters and people are enjoying that. But, and I say this, oh no, I say this quite intentionally. There is a segment of you that just wants to skip hideout keeping. And you know what? Haha, <laughs> you didn't get to skip it because the chapter start for the strategy section for this week is going to include this little rant about you skipping hideout keeping. Hideout keeping is very important. Don't skip it. It's not that long. We work very hard at it. Okay, so now let's get into the main part of the show. <laughs> what do we have for everybody today, Trigger? 
I love that you have control over the chapters so that you can actually make sure people see that because you know they're going to click to that thing. So I'm glad for that. I'm glad you're only going to do it this week, right? <laughs> but that's awesome. Personally, I I actually love the chapters when I've gone back to, you know, remember what I said or uh, listen to a segment over again. It's been really cool to go check that out. So if you're not sure what Ronald was talking about, we've implemented chapters into all of the YouTube videos. We've gone back and done a couple, but it does take a lot of time. But going forward, we're going to have chapters so you can very, very easily skip around the videos. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it, it is good. We're happy to put them in there to make the podcast more useful to share with your friends. If you're looking for a specific segment that we talked about, it, it works pretty good. But we can tell that there are segments of people that skip Hido keeping, and I get it. It's the same thing every episode, but it's very intentional, as MTB said, because there's new people finding the show all the time. And to that point, that's really who it's for. It will always be there. You know, so you know that if you share the show six months down the line to someone who's new, hideout keeping is always going to be there. We just want people to know what we're about, what we're up to. And if we do have some little things that are newsworthy, that's where they're going to be. So, you know, check into it every once in a while. We don't expect you to listen to it every week, but we did want to have a little fun with it this week. But on to the main topic, one that has sort of uh, infiltrated the Xfil Discord is 10 Man Labs. And it's a fascinating sort of, I don't want to say new because it's been around for a little while, but recently I've been reading and hearing more and more about it. And, you know, I know that typically I don't squad up. And so some of you may be surprised on our opinions on this, and we're going to dig into that. Um, I'm actually certain that you'll be surprised. But uh, so we're going to be talking about 10-man labs. So on the surface, I want to break down what this is, some background on it, and then some of the things that we think are important leading into it, and then, and then we'll jump in. So it's time for a little Tarkovian history, as it were. So a couple months back, Battlestate changed the factory map. And for the entire time that I've played the game, so starting back in December of 2019, factory was always 6 PMCs. And the biggest squad that you could load into a map on if you were all PMCs was five. So no matter what, even if you went into factory as a five man, there was always going to be potentially another PMC that could have no gear or the best gear that you may run into while you do this. Because of that, there was never like a guaranteed experience on factory. But a few months ago, Battlestate changed it, and Factory is now a five-man max, five-man PMC max, which means you can queue in with a full team and basically guarantee that there's no other PMC and that you only have scavs or player scavs. So the reason I wanted to bring this up and why it's relevant is the people that are running 10-man labs, and what that is, is very simply 10 PMCs queuing in at the same time and trying to get into the same instance. And the reason that's important is Battlestate actually made this happen on Factory, and it could have been for any number of reasons, and we may speculate on that. But now people are taking that concept, and they're doing it on other maps. And Labs is the next map that is the smallest, and it only has a maximum of 10 PMCs on it. So that's kind of the background here, is, is Battlestate made a change to Factory. 
making it able to have just one squad in there. And now people are taking that same concept and they're doing it in labs. Now, it was happening before this, but I do think that recent history is relevant when we're talking about 10-man labs happening right now. And there's a lot of other factors why I think we're seeing more of it. So what are your thoughts on the factory and the 10-man labs sort of changes and things that we've seen recently? I think it's an interesting kind of byproduct of where the game's at in the current wipe cycle. And because of that, you know, we're seeing a point where people are trying to do different creative things to make money, you know, to get XP, you know, and all those things with the the changes that we've talked about in recent episodes about the flea market and all the different ways that the game has kind of morphed over time to make money a little bit harder, gear a little bit harder. It kind of says, okay, I need to play the game in a way that where I manage my risk to a slightly higher level. And I think that turning Tarkov into this kind of event where you can control as many variables as possible by bringing in 10 people kind of helps that. It feels like it's maybe different than what Tarkov is meant to be. There's no randomness to the PMCs. I'm not saying that's bad, but you know that is kind of the point, right? You're taking out that risk of having a random Giga Chad come in there and, and own everybody, and you're just going after the Raiders to try to pull what you can and then farm XP, farm gear, and get out. So yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think the community was pushed in this direction by the changes that were made to the game. Yeah, I think that's an interesting take. And it's sort of where I'm at as well. I mean, I think a number of things happened that led to people being more interested in 10 Men Labs. Whether it's actually happening as often as you read about or not, it's thought that factory, not factory, it's thought that labs is the number one place where cheaters are going and killing people there. Now, the streamers that regularly run in labs, like the landmarks, and uh, those guys go in there and they probably have a lot of proof of cheaters, but they also run labs back to back to back to back to back to back. So I don't know how much the average player goes into labs. Personally, this wipe, I've gone into labs like three times, whereas last wipe, I went in as often as I could. But this wipe, just because of hearing about all of the cheating, I just don't want to get upset. And I've died to a couple cheaters this wipe. It's still only a handful, but it still doesn't feel good. So I'm not going to willingly enter into a scenario where it's being talked about that there's a high percentage chance of running into a cheater. Now, you may look at me and say, well, you're, you didn't experience it. Why is this affecting? It's like, well, I, I read Reddit. I read Twitter. Like, I'm not going to jump into something where I know there's a bunch of cheaters. And I say no. <laughs> I realize that I don't know personally, but I'm seeing it you know, on the streams I watch, etc. So if I'm feeling that way, my gut says that the vast majority of the player base feels like labs is a dangerous place. And if you don't already know labs, why are you going to go there right now? So there's that part of it. There's also a big ban wave that happened recently. They said they banned like 2,700 cheaters, I think. There was this noticeable ripple through the Twitter channels and Twitch that the game was really good for a couple days, and then it went right back to what it was before. And so your point about Battlestate driving people to do this, or making changes that people started wanting to do this, I kind of agree with it. Because, I mean, they sort of sent the flag up in the air saying, hey, we want you to be able to go in factory without other PMCs in there. Okay, well, let's take that same concept and apply it to the next map (laughs) that we can do that in. 10-man PMCs on labs is the way to do it. I wonder if Battlestate wants this. You know, that's the real question. 
does Battlestate want Tarkov to turn into a PvE game? Because that's really what you're doing with this. You're basically saying that I want to take out the variability of PMCs, which whether it's to avoid cheaters or whether it is to avoid having to deal with other Giga Chads or whatever, just, just to take out the probability of dying, you really are starting to play a PvE game at that point. And I wonder if Battlestate really wants that, or if this is just a byproduct of things that they've put into place to try to stop cheaters and all of the different systems that they've been tweaking over the last couple of months. We always come back to this idea that games have to be fun. And so you have to ask yourself, what is the way that I'm going to have the most amount of fun? And I think any gamer is going to find the path of least resistance to fun. And I feel like the community is kind of naturally ebbing and flowing in this direction because it's fun. Yeah, and you mentioned the concept of PvE, right? And I kind of want to break that down a little bit because in the MMO side of things, PvE makes a lot of sense. Tarkov already has some PvE with scavs. But will you break down what you mean having a PvE part of the content? Sure. Basically, what it means is that the entire threat of the mission or the game that you're playing for that particular session is not related or does not originate from another human player. So this is just player versus environment. And so you're you're basically playing against bots. You're playing against raiders and labs. And if you have all 10 slots filled with people you know and you're working together, you're not playing against another human. You reduce a lot of the variability in gameplay. You lose, reduce a lot of the, really the risk of what you take in. And you can work together to accomplish, you know, most of what you're trying to do. And I think it's not a bad thing. I actually think it's a lot of fun to play with nine of your other friends and go into labs and just dominate. I think that game mode should honestly probably be in the game if that's what BSG wants. But That would be attractive, I think, to a lot of people who are not in a position to have many, many hours to play. Maybe say they only have five or six hours a week to play. You know, if you have that amount of time and you really have to be picky about what you do with your game time because you don't have a lot of it, then I think that it makes a lot of sense to have a gameplay mode where you can really group up with your friends and maybe you take some of that risk out while you're teaching your friends to play the game. I think a lot of PvE also could come into play with learning how to play Tarkov or teaching people how to play Tarkov. There is no tutorial system. There is no really anything. It just go in. There's, you know, as we know, this game is drop in, no compass, no map, nothing. Good luck. And so I think a PVE system could be good for that too. I don't think it's a bad thing for the game. I don't think it's a bad thing for the Tarkov community because again, anything that people are doing to play the game and have fun, that's not cheating. I just, you know, at a very high level, I don't see how that hurts anything. I, I actually agree with you. I think the one point where I struggle a little bit is Labs has some of the best loot spawns in the game. Meaning, if you control the entire map without any risk, there is a tremendous amount of loot on that map. And it has the potential to have the best loot spawns in the game. There's Ledex spawns, there's high-end military loot, there's raiders, which have some of the best armor and guns and ammo in the game. So I think the only area where I'm like, I don't know if this is the best place for it. I do agree that I think that's why people are there. And you can eliminate 
players from having an impact on how you play labs, meaning it's the 10 of you against the game. And I agree. I think PVE is one of the biggest opportunities this game has from a teaching, from a learning, from a new player. You know, the hard part is, though, taking a new player into labs is is really probably not the best way to teach them the game, you know, because fighting raiders is not easy. Uh, that's a quick way to frustrate somebody who's starting the game. Like, that guy just shot me in the face from across the room and I barely looked at him. Well, that's Raiders, right? <laughs> but I think you asked the most important question in that, does Battlestate want this? And I, I always come back to this when I see players move into doing something that doesn't necessarily mesh well or has a questionable gaming ethics element to it. Because in order to do this, you have to do something that you can't otherwise figure out in the game, right? And Tarkov doesn't have third-party API stuff. There is no way to know other than communicating outside the game of when to join the queue for that map to match this up. So the only way to do it is to time it outside of the game, not using in-game mechanics. And they don't allow this in-game right now to have 10-man groups. Not, And I'm sure they could make different group sizes able to queue in on different maps. Like, if they wanted to, they make they could probably, you know, make it so that only three people could queue in together on Factory. It's not that way now, but they didn't make 10-man groups available on Labs. So you do have to do something that's outside of what the game offers to make this happen. There's also a chance that the teams don't get into the same Labs group, right? Because of how Tarkov is made. So that's the only thing that I, I don't think they want this. I don't. Otherwise, they would have coded it to be allowed. And that's where you kind of have to ask yourself, like, am I willing to, you know, exploit? And I don't even want to say exploit in this case. Am I willing to chance that Battlestate looks at this as teaming, right? Because two teams working together that aren't on the same team in a lot of games is looked as looked at as teaming. And a way to look at that would be what happened with scabs. People were finding ways to team up as scabs by doing the wiggle. And Battlestate just removed that by making AI scabs wiggle. They have actively made it so it's harder to group up in the game when you're not actually on a team. So I don't know. I don't think Battlestate wants this. However, it does point to people wanting a PvE experience. Somewhere where you can go loot, progress, get experience, get stuff, and not worry about like you said, a Giga Chad or anybody else being on the map. So I do think there's an opportunity there, but I don't know if Battlestate is interested in the opportunity or wants it to happen this way. I don't think the game was ever designed for this. I agree with that. I think Battlestate doesn't know what to do with it. I'm just being honest with you. And I think that there are a lot of MMO elements that come to games like Tarkov that are trying to be an MMO light and paste on the FPS experience. And if we break that down for a minute, in an MMO, you have something called rating. So you're going to have groups of players, 10, 20, up to 40, sometimes 100 players, human players working against some environmental element, whether it's a boss or whether it's a group of bosses or whatever. And the point of that is that it is designed to be group content. So you get a bunch of people playing together towards a common objective. And I think that games like Tarkov have to have something like this, some inherent teaming system, because Tarkov is such a hard game to get into. And it's an addicting game once you're into it. 
But that learning curve, getting people past that initial hump is so high that you have to compensate with that with something. You can keep the game mechanics hard for the sake of having a game that's realistic, but you have to work around that somehow and still allow a new player an on-ramp into the full experience of the game. And right now, they, they're they missing, I think, some of that because there's this gap in fun. And you have to look at any video game through, this eye, through the eyes and the lens of fun. And there's kind of this gap in fun while you're learning. It's never designed to be easy, but you can still die a lot in Tarkov and have fun. I mean, if it's a good game or you kind of realize what happened, or even if you didn't and you record the footage and show one of your friends who is better at the game or has more hours and like, yeah, you know, you, you did okay, but here, this is kind of where things kind of went off the rails, right? That can still be fun. But Tarkov doesn't have anything to bridge that initial gap. And so I think that's part of it. I, I don't think they ever designed cooperative PvE as a model into the game. I think that it's going to be interesting to watch and see if they end up designing it into future versions of the game. If they want to turn this into an MMO that has PvP and first-person shooter characteristics, if they're going to keep the flea market, if they're going to work with persistence in any meaningful way, they're going to have to have cross-player systems in-game that encourage people to play together somehow. Otherwise, it just is going to feel empty because it's it the first-person shooter experience isn't enough historically to keep people interested usually in a game unless there's something else around that experience. At least that's been my experience. I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I think you said a number of things that really sort of challenged where I was sitting on this particular issue. And I don't consider 10-man labs an issue uh, necessarily good or bad. I think that's why I wanted to talk about it and work through it and see what other people think about it. Because we have people in the XFIL that are trying to do this. Uh, I've seen it come up on Reddit and people are on both sides of the coin. But one of the things you said that I hadn't really fully considered was having some kind of PvE content, right? It's a player versus environment that is challenging and that people can group up sometimes in very large groups to take down. And MMOs have sort of perfected this as an end game. I don't want to call it alternative to PvP, but as an end game option. And there's some things that happen in MMOs. And for those of you that haven't played MMOs or don't care about them, very simply put, in an MMO, the hardest non-PVP content in the game is usually referred to as raids. And you're literally playing against yourself and your team, meaning that you are trying to do as good as you can to beat the AI. And the reward for that is some amount of loot. And it's usually very good stuff, right? So I kind of challenged my own thoughts in the beginning where I said Labs has really good loot. Why? Why? Maybe that's a problem. Yet in World of Warcraft, when I played that and was raiding, you would go do PvE content for the best loot. And it's challenging because not only is it hard AI, you're coordinating with more than two or three people. It was often 25 or 40 people which is a hard thing to do. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes planning. And so the hardest PvE content in Tarkov is labs because it's full of raiders and they run around in squads and it's it's random. The other side of it is if you go in with 10 people, yeah, there is a lot of loot there. But when you go in with 10 people, getting all of that loot out, you're not going to end up with seven Ledexes on one guy. You're going to end up with 
if there's three found in the raid, well, three people are going to have Aletics. Well, then if someone dies, they're going to either want their loot out potentially, or it's you can't get out with just millions and millions of rubles worth of stuff on all 10 people. Now, you may come out and have had a really good raid, and everybody makes a million, two million, I don't know. But for the effort and the planning and the time that it takes to coordinate 10 people on a map like that, maybe that's a really good reward. You know, so I'm, I've already flip-flopped in just the first like 20 minutes of this show, you know, and was it designed for that? Maybe not. Is it a really neat sort of fun way to play the game? I don't know. I haven't tried it, <laughs> but I think it could be a really cool way to allow for progression, especially for people that love the tactical grouping and communication that don't necessarily want to fight against other players. This is really intriguing to me now because of that raiding concept that exists. Before you jump back in, you also said something is if the game goes persistent, I think we're in the biggest critical decision time for Tarkov because we're now into this new wipe. They've pumped out a bunch of new content. We've got a customs revamp. We had the reserve bunker revamp. We now have a new scav boss on shoreline, yet there are still people that are struggling to stay in the game. That content got consumed. Uh, Dead Matter is now in alpha, and a lot of people are checking that out. So it's decision time. Like Tarkov, I think, needs to make a decision. Like, are we going to do the seasonal thing? This could be one of the most successful seasonal games of all time, if not the most successful seasonal game of all time. Or are we going to go to persistent MMO style? This could be one of the most successful persistent MMOs ever created. And that's the crazy part that Tarkov Battlestate developed a game that not only do they have multiple paths in game design that are wildly different, but they've also developed a game where so many playstyles can be successful and win all at the same time. And they've even developed a game that could have PvP separate from PvE content that all works together. Like, it's insane how cool this is. And this one little 10-man lab sort of outlier way out here that if you can manage to find nine other people to play with you, you can try this, is leading us to talk about. Like, it's just fascinating. It's so cool that, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine being Battlestate trying to figure out if they want to allow this or not. <laughs> because I think there's a segment of people that love it. There's a segment of people that hate it, like everything. I don't know. You made some great points there. I'm, I've already flip-flopped just, just now. One of the things I wanted to touch on was this idea, because there will be some people listening to this that say, wait a minute, there already are PvE bosses and content in Tarkov. So go, go kill Gluhar, go kill Sanitar, whatever. That's kind of true, but kind of not true in the context of what we're talking about. And so I kind of want to break that down real quick, because I think this is kind of an important point, especially if you come from a world where you've never played an MMO, you may not understand the distinction. So we kind of want to break this down quick. So yes, Gluhar is a PvP boss. However, he's not an open world boss, in my opinion, because if he was an open world boss, what it would be is everybody in the map would team up and work together to kill him. Basically, what Tarkov has is everybody in the map is working against Gluhar and each other at the same time. So what Gluhar is, is just a juice PMC that you're fighting that happens to be an AI-based PMC at least in the functional context of how this is 
being presented and how it plays out in the game. Think of this as just the crazy, you know, board of ideas, right? Throw some spaghetti at the wall. What if Tarkov had queuable squads? So say 20 people queue in and the whole goal was to hunt down or destroy or get into like a base, right? Like they opened up on shoreline on the bottom right corner of the map that industrial area turned into a, a, a stronghold that you had to penetrate and get in with 20 people. That would be like an example of PVE designed around teams or raids or whatever. And then everybody in the raid gets something. And then there's, you know, the possibility of high tier loot that could get passed out or whatever. There also could be this concept that they get introduced into Tarkov of having, you know, the the holy trinity of MMOs, which is a tank or someone who runs into the middle of the fight, a healer, someone who can stand back and give the tank more hit points, and then a damage dealer who is someone who stands off to the corner and just does damage, but doesn't take hits from the person that you're fighting. And if Tarkov introduced like a field medic that could heal people while they're fighting or or something like that, that concept, or they, they introduced an armor that was really designed where you took a lot of hits but you didn't do a lot of damage. Things like that would be, in my mind, more considered to be like an open world PVE concept. What we have with the bosses that are in Tarkov are really just juice PMCs when it comes down to it, because you're fighting other people along the way. I think the concept that you just brought up about an instanced version of this, again, which is an MMO concept, could work so well. Because you know what they could do? is all of these things that they've developed and they just couldn't get quite right. And I'm, I'm going to say the grenade launcher is one of them. <laughs> but things like the riot shield, okay? Like your point about like a tank and a field medic and all that, it doesn't have to be that they put a field medic in. But what they could do is say, hey, if you queue into this instance or this this raid or whatever it is, you could say that people have to select roles and maybe two of those roles, people get a riot shield, right? And there's your tanks, right? And and like any PvE content, people will always find a way to cheese it or farm it, as it's referred to in MMOs. If you go into an MMO after content's been out for a few weeks, it's referred to as being on farm, meaning you know the mechanics, you know where the spawns are, you know what the enemies do, and with a reasonable high success rate, you can go in and clear it really quickly. There is a huge opportunity for this in Tarkov. 10-man labs makes me think that they could do it. And to your point, an instance version of this that's sort of separate from the PvP always on, they could do some class-based stuff. Or when you spawn into that, you know, siege, as I would call it, maybe there's two riot shields on the ground so they can decide if they want to use that. I don't know. I just, I think this could be really cool. And there's games like Destiny that are FPS MMOs, but are much more on the RPG side of things. I don't know. I guess they would have to get the incentives right. And this is something that I don't know if it is currently right, if it's way wrong or whatever. But there's all these things that don't really get touched a lot. Like, you know, what if you had the 10-man labs and you went in and if you successfully cleared it, you got to allocate a skill point right? Or 0.5 of a skill. Hey, yeah, strength. If you can clear labs early on, you can allocate a strength point and raise your strength by one. And that that's a great thing for an early player to do that's working on their hideout. And it's an alternative to stacking your bags and running around 
or throwing grenades in the beginning of a raid. Like there's so much opportunity if they pursued this PVE thought process. I agree. And there's one choice that Battlestate has to make that will be foundational for all the different systems they can build off of. And is this game persistent or not? Because you can turn all kinds of options on in a persistent world to manipulate how things go. Like, for example, I'll build upon this example of let's like capture the castle that we're kind of talking about, right? What happens if you had a quest to do that 10 times and then after you did it 10 times, you captured the castle or it was a weekly thing. The USEX are fighting the bears for one week and then next week the bears fight the USEX and it's it's all the USEX QN to be invaders or or defenders, you know, whatever. And it's it's this basically persistent world where you could queue into a world or an instance that is persistent, that doesn't end. Maybe it goes on for a week and you just contribute in some way to your group or your faction. And you have meaningful interactions. Like what happens if you had a squad of five players that was part of a hundred people trying to take the castle and you had a five man that was your piece of it and you got missions to go do different things. Tarkov has systems in place that could do a lot of different cool things, but they have to decide fundamentally, do they want to be a persistent game or not? Because if they go non-persistent, I think you'd have a hard time convincing people to go far enough down the progression line to really take advantage of any of this if the game resets every month or two. Well, it's like if what you just said made me think about the karma system. Right. And I think it's why over like the last two years, if you go look up the karma system in Tarkov, people really want the karma system because I think if that were to be implemented, it would signal to everybody that they want to do the persistent MMO version because it's exactly what you were talking about. It would really firm up the faction basis that really doesn't exist outside of the initial choice right now. Yeah, there's different costumes and outfits you can put on, but there's really nothing else to it other than a few tasks that require you to kill the other faction and get their dog tag. So I think that's why that keeps coming up. The other thing I just realized, and my my brain is just going all over the place on this, but there's sort of this like challenge, right, where the decision, it's hard to tell what Battlestate wants. And I think that's the fun part about analyzing this, because you know what else exists in the game right now? There is absolutely, they are incentivizing teaming in small ways. And the way they do that is through having extracts where you are a PMC and you have to coordinate with a player scav to exfil, right? So there's already mechanics and exits in the game that is all about exiting or escaping where you have to find somebody and communicate with them to team up and get out together. They quite literally have this in the game already. Two people that queue up in different ways, get into the map, and they team up. So it's like, which way do you want to go? <laughs> you know, It's like they, they're getting rid of some of it, but leaving other parts of it in. And the crazy part is, and this is what you mentioned, the, the whole concept of what's fun. Either path could be really fun. They are really fun. We just don't know which one they're going to do. And by changing some stuff related to this and then leaving other stuff in the game. And I mean, an interchange, they just redid it and added one of these exits in where you have to find a scab to get out. They're incentivizing teaming. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I, but I want to know. I think it's fun to talk about. Yeah. And the other thing too, is they're talking about putting labs behind streets, right? You got to play streets to get to labs. And you're not going to be able to queue in, I think, as two 10-mans into streets. I guess I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think so. 
well, the odds of you getting out of streets, even if you can, and getting all of you to factory and get in at the same time, it's going to reduce the odds that this is even possible. I mean, I think you're right. So, you know, kind of coming full circle on this persistent versus non-persistent game question. Here's a question for you. You have played a lot of seasonal games, much more than I have. In seasonal games, what is the thing that keeps you going back? And how does a game not become repetitive? I think the repetitiveness has to be addicting and exciting enough to get you to come back every once in a while. So for example, like Diablo 3. Diablo 3, I'll jump in from time to time, knowing full well that the environment's always going to be the same, and every now and then they release a new map, but it's all about killing the monsters. And there's this like cathartic feeling in Diablo where you become so powerful that you are literally just like stomping demons out, and the effects are cool, and the noises they make, like everything is about just destroying waves and waves of demons. And that is fun. It is really fun to go do. It is repetitive, which is why I don't play it all the time. However, I I think that what gets me back is when maybe there's a skill that I think is really cool, but there's not items that modify it in a cool way, or I really would have loved to see something that they maybe they do later. So the way Diablo did this was every season, they would change up the best gear, the best modifiers to gear. And so like, I love the concept of a multi-shot or shooting multiple arrows out of a demon hunter in Diablo 3. There was never a set that did this. And then it was like season three or season four, Blizzard released a set that made multi-shot the best build for a demon hunter. And I played it like crazy because they changed the game just enough so that I could do that. And it was just a slight tweak on the PVE nature of that game that got me to come back in and play for a whole season. And now when I jump back in, I know that set is still in the game. And I can go do that if I want to. So I think it's a very interesting balance between updating and making changes and then also power creep, which is the concept of, you know, you have to make things a little more powerful than the previous tier. And that's something where I'm not sure how Tarkov would tackle power creep because it's already something that's very frustrating for a lot of players, I think, in that class six armor, the best ammos they kill too fast or they penetrate too much or or whatever the conversation is of the day or grenade launchers, right? We've talked about that. Power creep is a really challenging thing in FPS because one gun being too powerful can wildly shift the meta. And it's not like a PVE game where, oh, your heal is too powerful. Like we can just tone that down. It's not going to affect the whole player base like crazy. I don't know if I completely answered your question or not. Yeah, you did. Absolutely. Because one of the things that I've been thinking about is how can Tarkov stay successful, stay popular in this wipe cycle mode? The game itself has to be fun, which I think it is fun, but it has to be fun over and over and over and over again, which is challenging for any game designer, especially when the game, the premise of the game is to be realistic. And at some point, you can't change realism. Realism just is what it is. So it's not going to be new. It's going to be the same thing. And it's going to be up to you to play the game in a different way to keep it fun and to keep you engaged. And kind of coming full circle, that's why I think people are doing 10-man labs. I think the player base has found a way to take a 
non-persistent game that is based on realism, which means they can't tweak some of the more meme type knobs to make it, you know, interesting or different. They have to keep it within a certain amount of artificial boundary, which they place on themselves as the premise of their game. So the player base has found this kind of way of adapting to that set of rules to have fun in a different way. And and that's kind of where this whole conversation has kind of led my mind. And what do you think about that? Do you think I'm totally crazy? Think I'm on something? I don't think you're crazy. I guess I don't ever think about, I don't want to say deeply, but you, you think about things differently than I do. I look at it to say players in a seasonal game or an MMO, which Tarkov is kind of both, right? Will always find the most effective way to farm. And oftentimes they will look at this line of what's okay in gamer culture and they will flirt with it. Okay, and and let me paint the picture for you. And I think we're saying the same thing. We're just coming at it from a different angle. But I look at this line and I can point to any game that was seasonal or MMO. And this line always gets flirted with. And then it always either gets nerfed, meaning it's left in the game, but the rewards are reduced or it gets removed from the game or people get banned or whatever else. And I think that 10 Man Labs is literally walking the tightrope of this line. And that's what people have realized. They're right on the line. And because the reality is you can't do it within the game. So they could say, well, you're using out of game communication to affect in game. And maybe that's a bannable offense. I don't know. I don't think they would do that. I think they would just make it random or something. I don't know. So I, yeah, I I think they're just flirting with, with the line of what's the most effective way to progress my character and reduce the risk while doing it. In other MMOs, there'll be like a monster or something that you go kill that has a really high chance to drop either a really rare item or it it has a relatively higher chance to drop a really rare item or it has a really high chance to drop a consistent item that has decent value. So there are people that will literally, rather than go do other things in the game, they will spend hours doing the same thing over and over and over to progress their currency, their leveling, whatever it is. And players will always merge on these concepts. It won't be every single player. It will be a segment of players. And they kind of push that line and they kind of force the company to make decisions, which is kind of an interesting way to look at it that I think 10 Man Labs is going to force Battlestate to respond to it in some way. Whether they disallow it completely, whether they reduce the loot in labs, whether they increase the raiders, remove the raiders, add a scav boss, their response to this could be telling based on which way they move this line. So, yes, I agree with you. I just look at it from that concept is that people will always get up to that line and flirt with it. And I think 10 Man Labs is the perfect flirtation with that line of what should be allowed in the game and what shouldn't. I think Tarkov is going to have. Um an interesting choice with the persistent and non-persistent game design to make soon. And I think that if they want to keep making money from a business perspective, they're going to have to find a way to create DLC for the game that is somehow based on this idea that the realistic characteristics of the game design will not be broken by adding new content to the game. What they're trying to do, I think, is very interesting, but I think it's going to be a design challenge because aside from making a new map, they're going to have a hard time creating a situation where a new feature doesn't 
break the concept of the game. And Nikita himself has gotten pretty set on the idea that this is a hardcore game. There's going to be no instant replays. There's going to be no map, in-game map. There's going to be no compass, probably. He's made these comments, and it's kind of the joke now. You know, where's the compass in the patch notes? Because of this, they have intentionally painted themselves into this niche. It's going to be interesting to watch how the designers address that. To keep the game fresh, every time there's a a wipe in a non-persistent game, something has to be a little different. Otherwise, you literally just wiped out 500 hours of progression for the sake of starting over. I look back and through the lens of fun in any video game that I play, and I worry that that's just not going to be fun for the average player. I agree with you. I think that to that point, the challenge that they are going to experience is exactly that. Like, how do you add stuff in without breaking gameplay? And I can point to one that happened not too long ago. I think Battlestate was trying to add something that was really cool, really challenging, almost an end game reward type of thing that you earned. And what they put in the game was if you have the task to kill Killa a hundred times, you got his outfit. Phenomenal concept, phenomenal idea that if you grind this out, which can be really fun, right? Grinding for some people is really fun. Other people hate it. Doesn't matter. Some people find it fun. So as a grinder, that was really cool to me. Well, they put this in the game. Some people pushed it, got it done. And it wasn't too long after this that a new wipe happened. Well, at the time, Killa had a class 5 armor that spawned on him every single time, which is arguably one of the best armors in the game. It's highly repairable. It was farmable at the time. And what they taught players to do was to farm Killa to get this outfit that was an end game reward, I would call it. Well, when the wipe happened, so many people had learned how to farm Killa that the most effective strategy to get good gear in the game at the beginning of this wipe was to farm Killa. Not even working towards the 100 Killa task, but because you could get boatloads of class 5 armor. He always spawned with a labs card for the most part. He had grenades. He had the RPK with 7 and 3 9 ammo, which is phenomenal ammo. Had his helmet. So basically, they taught everybody how to break the early game by going and farming Killa. So they had to take that line that they created of the most effective thing in Tarkov to farm loot and progress was to go get Killa. So they removed him having his armor on all the time. They took away the stun lock mechanic. He didn't spawn with the RPK nearly as often. This is the challenge they will face in the current model is that they can put in an end game reward, but it will affect gameplay because of the way the game is set up right now because of the group of people that will always push that line. And they did. He had a key card, and, and people made tons of currency before they nerfed Killa. So now you have a scav boss who's way harder and has way less loot, and then people stopped doing it. <laughs> you know, So it's finding that balance of having something that's challenging and also is equally as rewarding as it is challenging I think will be a very, very hard task for them going forward. I think the other important point about this is people talk about progression in Tarkov and endgame in Tarkov. And I guess this wipe, I have kind of come to the point of 
realizing that progression in Tarkov can mean very many different things. I think to a new Tarkov player, you naturally are asking, what is the pinnacle of the Tarkov experience? What should I be trying to get to? And of course, then the next question is, how do I get there? When I first got the game, my answer to that was to get the Kappa container. That seems to be the pinnacle of the Tarkov experience. And now I'm kind of thinking that I don't care about Kappa. I've said this for a couple episodes. It doesn't inspire or motivate me in any way. So what is the point of my Tarkov experience, right? What's my progression meaningfully look like? And it's an, it's an interesting question. And I think that because I'm asking myself this question, there are other people doing the same. And that's why we're seeing these kind of player-designed game modes be developed into the culture of the Tarkov community. And as the game kind of develops, BSG is creating a sandbox, a very hardcore sandbox. That's what they're trying to make, right? And the natural result of that is going to be people designing fun around the way they want to have fun playing that game within the parameters of the game. So when they nerfed Killa, I actually thought it was an interesting decision because what they said by nerfing Killa was, you're playing the game wrong, even though we didn't tell you that that was part of the rules to begin with. Now, I'm not being negative on BSG. I think it's the duty of every gamer to find a way to have creative use of game mechanics. We always skirt the line of, is this wrong or out of the EULA or whatever, to get what we need to accomplish in the game. But I just think that we're going to see more of this in any game that claims to be hardcore as its core design. So the new ones that are coming up, I think, are going to have the same issue. Tarkov is blazing the trail in some of these ways, and I think that we are seeing the result of players now having, what, 10 wipes or however many wipes, but a lot of players now having two, maybe three wipes saying, okay, I'm trying to figure out the best way to maximize my time in game. And I maybe have done all the different things that I find fun. And I'm left with the tasking and questing system pushing me into parts of the game, which I don't care about. And the reward for the end of all of that hardcore grinding isn't necessarily worth it to me. So I still want to play because I think it's a great game. So I'm going to go with my friends and play the game the way that I want to play it and have fun. I think that's kind of what's happening, and it'd be interesting to see if they shut it down or not, because if they shut it down, they're going to have to really define what is this game then? How can it be played? If they let it go and they embrace this idea that people have found different game modes, I think they have a lot of potential to make a really fun and long-lasting game. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they could go either way. They can shut it down or they can open it up to what people are doing and finding fun in doing. And I think that's why it's fascinating because I actually think both can work, uh, but I'm curious to see which way they go. So I think the last thing I want to do is we've sort of defined it. We've talked all about it from Battle State's perspective on why we think some of these things have happened. So let's let's finish this thing up on just this concept of 10-man labs. I'll ask you, and then I'll happily answer as well, but do you think that 10-man labs is something that you would do? And then the follow-up to that is, do you think that somebody should do, or is it okay to do 10-man labs in the current state of the game? Oh, however you answer this question, you're going to be wrong. (laughs) Kind of, right? That's kind of why I wanted to ask it. It's honestly sort of my point. But, you know, it doesn't bother us. So... Yes, I think that 10-man labs is fine to do in the current state of the game. 
I think when Battlestate nerfed Killa in the middle of a wipe, and when they did the skills reset in the middle of the wipe, they showed all the player base that the rules of what is acceptable to them in in the game, as far as gameplay go, are not necessarily defined. And it's okay if you push that to see if you run up against those boundaries. And so running 10-man labs, in my opinion, does not run up against those boundaries. I think that there are two different very different streams of thought that you can think about this. One is that I want to play with my friends and it's just a lot of fun to play with 10 friends instead of five friends. The second is I solo labs and I get killed by cheaters all the time, which may or may not necessarily be true, but that is perception and perception largely on Reddit becomes reality for a lot of people. So because of that, I don't have any problem with 10-man labs. I think it's fun. I think it's a game mode that they should put into the game and then just adjust the loot accordingly. I think that if it turns into like a game mode that people expect to have happen but was never designed in, that could be a problem. So I really think that it needs to be addressed directly from BSG. They need to say, hey, we noticed you guys are playing this way and you think it's fun. Well, we either want this or we don't want this but we noticed it. And if they can pull that off in a way where the community's like, cool, they recognize that this is something that's fun for the game. We enjoy doing it. They're going to add it. Or they explain to us in a way that makes sense why the game shouldn't be played this way and why they're taking steps for it not to be played this way. If they can pull off one of those two things, um, I think that that would be great because that would just solve the problem and the second part of your question is, do I think it's okay? Or what was the second part? I forgot. You sort of answered it in reverse. You you answered, if you think people should do it. So then my question was, would you do this? Would you find this fun to do? And I think my answer is, yes, I would find it fun to do. I've always enjoyed playing games with my friends. If I'm going to play an online game, I would enjoy playing that with as many people as possible. So playing a 10-man organized group where there was a plan, I think would be a lot of fun. If it was just 10 people that were, you know, roughly together going in all different directions and there's team kills because people aren't communicating or whatever, that's not fun to me. But if I had 10 friends that are nine other friends rather that I knew we could play with and have a good time, I'd absolutely do this. I don't think it's breaking the game. And I understand the argument that you're pulling out high value loot with a lot less risk. I, I, I get that, but I don't think that's breaking the game. So it's just my opinion. Yeah, and so for me, I look at it and say, I guess for me, the, the perspective that I take on it is I love understanding the most effective ways to play the game. Like I research games that are PvP in nature on how to be the most effective. So I was very aware of the kill a strategy and why people were doing it. But personally, I like to find my own ways of being super effective in the game. I, I prefer consistency over high risk, high reward. And Killa was a high risk, high reward because other people were doing it. He's harder to find and he is dangerous. And so it's things like the interchange scav run, right? Like I enjoy finding something that works for me consistently. So, but I do enjoy finding out and learning about what people are doing. So I say that because I find the 10 man labs fascinating. If it was a mode that they allowed, I would do it a lot. I would enjoy doing that and coordinating and that kind of thing. In the current implementation, personally, um, it's not something that I would do. And the reason for that is simply that there's no way to queue into this in the current game mode. And I really don't like crossing the line um, and, and risking having 
action taken against my account in games like this. And I'm that way in MMOs and everything else that I think finding creative use of game mechanics is great. I think once you get into the using stuff outside of the game to modify the game in a different way than is allowed, that's just not a a step that I would take. But that's really the question I would ask other people if I'm talking about, should you do this? Do I think it's okay for other players to do it? Like you, I don't care if other people do this. Honestly, I don't think it breaks the game. I hope uh, Battlestate finds a way to embrace it or speak concisely to why they're not going to allow it. Like you, I agree with that. So I think you just need to go into it understanding the risk. The risk is that Battlestate could say, you're teaming, you're modifying the game in a way that we don't want, and we're going to take action. And in a game that is highly focused on the economy right now, with cheating and with RMT, and a lot of that was happening on labs, they're probably acutely aware of what's going on with 10-man labs raids. So, you know, I don't. I think if you understand that risk and you're willing to take it, go for it. But if Battlestate comes down and says, uh, people that were running 10-man labs were artificially inflating the currency in some way, and we've gotten rid of those accounts, that's within their rights to do. I mean, they can ban you for, they can tell us all that we can't play the game anymore. So I'm not trying to scare people here. I just, that's just not something I would do personally. But if if you're not worried about that, I say go for it. Because I think it's a fascinating study on PvE and what the game could be if they choose to go down this line. And so I appreciate the people that push the line. I usually don't do that. So 10 Man Labs isn't something that I would probably get involved in. Yep. I understand that perspective. And, you know, I, I can appreciate it as well. I don't know. I guess I don't know for sure if they consider 10 man labs breaking the game or cheating or going against the EULA. I, I don't I don't know. I think that's the risk, right? I really do. We don't know. Yeah. What I do know is I'm starting to see the green bar flash. There it is. Right. There <laughs> it is. Which means that we are moments away from disappearing. But thank you everybody for uh, making it this far in the show. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you watching. We appreciate you being part of the community and supporting the XPhil and XP Media. Thank you to all of you. You guys are all awesome. Be sure to check the show out wherever you can find podcasts. You can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Pandora, and Deezer for our friends in Europe. You can even find us there. So be sure to give us a subscribe there. And on all of those platforms, we just ask if they have a rating system, please hit the five star. Please leave a comment. It just helps all the algorithms for all the things send more people our direction, which just makes our community larger and stronger and better. We appreciate everybody that has done that up to this point. So that's about it for me. So everybody have a great week. I hope your raids go well. And if you're running 10-man labs, I hope you get lots and lots of loot. And that's about it for this week. We'll catch you later. See you guys. Number four on the marshmallow scale. Catch you later. Six, bye. (laughs) 